0: Try to dream up at times, or even face, because there are a, little, a lot of difficult things we face, it requires faith from us. God gives that to us. This story, think with me some of the things that were going on in these first few verses. The government. You, you know, if we're not careful, it seems like the government's control in control of all of our lives, doesn't it? In, in those days, same way, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. They were at the beck and called, and, and, and there's a sense in which we, we submit, we try to follow, we try to be good citizens, and we find Mary and Joseph caught up in this uh, great census, the counting of all the people. Verse 2, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Again, as we look around us and we see things unfolding, we think, "Well, what what choice do we have? What can we do about living our lives when maybe these laws are being had or maybe the Supreme Court makes these judgments? I think we should be involved in the whole process. As Americans, we ought to be good citizens. We ought to be voting. We ought to be praying for our nation. We ought to be doing all that we can to bring about godliness in our world. But I want you to know the government's not in control. That that's one reason why we're not what we might call a political church because we don't think the answers in our politics. We think the answers right here. God's already given it to us. And what we do is we just live it out. We obey what God's called us to do to make disciples. That's what changes lives. That's what changes families. That's what changes nations and cultures. It's the word of God. It's the work of God. And God's given us the privilege to be able to go and do his work. So I know to live life on earth, it requires faith because sometimes it seems The government's in control. Sometimes it seems money is in control of our lives. Well, we can't do this and we can't do that. And it seems like money is a limiting factor for us. Money and power seem to go together. And we're not really sure why all this was taking place the census and the registration. Probably for military reasons, they were taking account to who they might be able to enlist in their armies. But all in all, it almost always comes back to money when it comes to the world. Who's getting what? Who's getting more? What's in it for me? And even in this sense, when you look at what's going on in the world, if we didn't have the word of God to give us clear understanding as far as the sovereignty of God, it could look like, well, money's really running the world at this time. Money and power from the existing government. I think there are times it seems the past seems to control our lives. Mary and Joseph, the reason they're going back to Bethlehem is because that was uh, Joseph's family of origin where they were from, uh, Bethlehem. And so do do we ever outgrow our upbringing? Do we ever get past not only how we were raised but but our background and even some of the baggage that's attached to all of that? And again, I, I would point out to you, Our faith should be growing as we look at this story to see that, you know, it really was, as much as it would have appeared then that the government or maybe money or maybe the past was was guiding Mary and Joseph, ultimately it was God who was directing their path. This morning you're here for a reason and you might think, well, the only reason I'm here is because I had a neighbor to invite me or because I had some pressure from a grandparent or a number of reasons that you may think that you're here today. Some of that may be true, but ultimately, God is sovereign. Ultimately, there's a place which God wants you to have faith to see beyond what what appears or what feels or even what you might think In a given situation. Who's really in charge? God. And God is drawing you to himself. If you're not a follower of Christ, God's at work drawing you to himself. If you are a follower of Christ, God's at work in your life drawing you to himself to grow deeper in that relationship. So that you might enjoy him more. So that you might make him known to more people. God gives us faith to live In the world. The the second thing I want you to note from our story, our text this morning, is that God gives us faith to live in relationships. Relationships are tricky, marriage is tough. All of relationships, whether you're at work or whether you're at home or whether you're in your neighborhood or whether we're at church, relationships are pretty difficult. It requires faith for us to live in relationship to others. We think about Mary and Joseph again in verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth. That's where he lived. His family had moved out from their place of origin. Uh, They were headed, he was from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, I'm sure Mary could have been thinking, what's he doing, right? I think men tend to act more and feel less I'm, I'm stereotyping some here but in general men tend to just be action-oriented so the wife has a problem and the man says okay well let's do this I can fix it like this you know it's what we're thinking how can I take care of this because we love our wives so much right not because we're bothered that she has a request that would never be the case but we're doing it because we love our wives so much. But we're oftentimes thinking, what what is he doing? Because he's tending to act. Now, if they were in Nazareth, which they were, it would have been about a 90-mile trek to Bethlehem. That would have taken normal travelers four to five days to get there. She's pretty far along in her pregnancy. Once they arrive... She's gonna have this baby. It's 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 coming, it's close. And I could imagine a wife, again, in her mind, what is he doing? What is he doing? Now, maybe he's thinking what's she feeling? If he's a good husband. What is she feeling? Because women typically feel more, and they're emotional, and they're connected more. You know, I'm stereotyping a little bit here. But how sensitive is he in what she's going through? And how would he serve her best in this particular scenario? We, we, don't, we can read between the lines of a lot here about what's going on. Because we, don't, we don't really know the interplay and the conversations of what Mary and Joseph are going through. We don't even know what they know. As much as we've asked that question, Mary, did you know? We really don't know what she knew. (laughs) My guess is she knew more than what we give her credit for, maybe not as much sometimes. I mean, we look back and in hindsight, and we see the whole big picture now. She was seeing bits and pieces of it. She was putting it together. Later in the chapter, it says, and Mary treasured up all these things. It wasn't like that she was living out in space somewhere and didn't have any idea. I I imagine after the angel appeared to her and after the angel had appeared to Joseph and they were figuring all of this out, don't you know they began to talk to people? I mean, she went to Elizabeth. Here was a godly older woman in her life, a relative, and, and she had spent her life as the wife of a priest. Who was that? Zachariah. And they had a child named John. (laughs) You guys are so gracious. Thank you. But the idea here is is that she wasn't out there just not knowing anything. She wasn't living in the land of ignorance or bliss. Here was a woman who was thinking through her life. And I'm sure she was asking, well, what's this supposed to be? What does this mean? Where is this going to happen? When's it going to happen? I think even to be going to Bethlehem. We don't know, so I'm trying to tell you what we don't know and what's not in Scripture, but maybe some possibilities here. Maybe Mary knew about the prophecy in Malachi. I don't think that's too far-fetched. If later on some of the wise men, the magi, who were in the east, knew something about the birth of a king, surely the people of Israel and Mary growing up in a devout Jewish home and being able to talk to some older godly people who had been walking with God and knew the prophecies, maybe she knew that Bethlehem was where they were supposed to go. Maybe, the, maybe it's not as mysterious that how did they end up in Bethlehem? As we look at the hand of God and that being told hundreds of years before it actually came to pass, there are hundreds of prophecies, over three hundred, that are very specific about the Christ, and one of them was where he would be born, and it would be in Bethlehem. And so it could have been that that uh, Joseph would have been going on a business trip, making taking some furniture he had made. You know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it like that. But no, God said, "I am going to ch- I am going to I am going to bring something that's going to be a worldwide thing to bring the Christ into the world." I'm going to put it into the heart of this ruler, Caesar Augustus, that everybody should be registered. There, there, a census should be happening. See, God's orchestrating world events. He's not just concerned with our one little corner in the world. He's concerned about all of Greensboro. He's concerned about all the United States. He's concerned about all the people of all over the world. And he's orchestrating things. So that people might have faith. Faith is a gift. It's not something we just conjure up ourselves. God makes known things to us. He reveals himself in creation. We say that there has to be a creator. It would take a lot more faith for me to believe there's not a creator than to believe that there is one. I just see God gives me enough faith to be able to see there had to be a designer For this all to come to pass. And then the faith that he gives us as we open up the word of God and read it. And these words that are living and active that he inspired that changes the hearts of men and women. What's he doing maybe she thought. What's she feeling hopefully he was thinking. but, But all in all what are they thinking. She's this far along four or five day trip by foot or Camel or donkey. I mean, it's a long trip. That far along in pregnancy. Here's where the real faith may be. Do they have enough faith to go and obey God even when the circumstances didn't look promising? Even though it didn't feel good. Even though it didn't look good. Did they have enough faith to obey God? If, If Mary knew that it was Bethlehem, and they they knew they needed to go. We see this worldwide census, and they're having to go back to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph's family is from, the city of David. Bethlehem is this wonderful historical place that we read about so much in the Old Testament where David's family lived. It literally means house of bread, Bethlehem, house of bread. It was located near bountiful food supply. And isn't that interesting that Jesus, the bread of life, would be born in the house of bread, Bethlehem. What are they thinking? There's a lot of danger in taking this trip. There's risk. Even shame that they had not completed that one year of engagement and betrothal before now she's expecting kind of an unwed pregnancy, so to speak, even though their betrothal was a lot more serious than our modern-day engagement. She's with child. Now, let me just say a word about that in verse 5. Isn't that wonderfully described? Mary is betrothed who was with child. That's what happens in pregnancy, Women are with child. I think the Christmas season is one of those times when we look back and we see the sanctity of life from conception. The Holy Spirit had come along and supernaturally caused Mary to conceive. And here's this unwed pregnancy that if happened today, all the way up past really even nine months, a child can be aborted. A child, a baby. Some people say, well, does the Bible speak about that? Well, here's one case where here's a woman where she's pregnant and God, as he inspired Luke to write this down, said she was with child. It's a human being in her womb. I would ask you to be praying for our Supreme Court even as they're dealing with this issue that are, is before them. We've been asking for a long time, God, would you overturn? Would you overturn Roe v. Wade? Would you, would you help our nation to repent? Would you allow us to repent and turn from the sin of abortion? I'm thankful God is a God of forgiveness. I don't talk about that today because of those who are here that have experienced that. I want you to know if if you have brought that before God, he's forgiven you. He doesn't hold that against you. He loves you. But what I am saying is that today we have an opportunity to do something different in our nation. Would you pray as our Supreme Court is debating this and if, if, we, they go in what we believe would be the right direction of honoring life. Basically, what they're saying is that they will, not, they will kick that over to the states, but it will be that abortion couldn't happen after 15 weeks. That's, that's just within the first trimester, basically. It's an important time in the life of our nation right now. God gives us faith. He gives us faith to live in the world. He gives us faith to live in relationships. But he also gives us faith to live in the present circumstances. Look look on in verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. God's plans are always on time. Israel had waited a long time, hundreds of years, thousands of years since the first prophecy in Genesis 3.15. But thousands of years to watch God's plan work out. Maybe you're waiting on something even now to work out in your life. You've been praying for a long time. God gives us faith to live in our present circumstances, although they're not what we want them to be yet, although we don't know what they're like. Maybe they're less than convenient or comfortable, or they might even be very painful. God's plans are always on time. In the midst, I I see all the things that are going on here. They They didn't have a place to lay Jesus uh, they, they had to use a manger. Now, what a wonderful picture of, of uh, the lowliness that Jesus reached down to to come to earth as he was laid in this feeding trough, this manger. He had no place for him here on earth. And isn't that interesting? The, the king of kings and the lord of lords, there was no place for him. They wrapped him in the swaddling clothes, cloths. I've, I've always thought that was interesting. In the beginning of his life on earth, the incarnation, as he left heaven, he came wrapped in swaddling clothes. In the end of his life on earth, as they laid him in the tomb, those grave clothes that they wrapped him in. Foreshadowing. Even in his coming, his dying one day. God's plans are always on time. God's promises are always true. Think about this. Mary had been promised. Not only had the Israelites been promised all the way thousands of years, but Mary had promised that she would be the mother of the Lord, that she would, as a virgin, conceive and give birth. And God made uh, good on His promises, and He always does. Again, some of you have been waiting. Wait in faith. God's timing is always right. Some of you are waiting because you haven't received the promise yet. God's made promises in his word and it's not been carried out. Now, here's the, here's the deal. We don't always receive God's promises in this life. And that's why our faith comes in even more. I would say to you, God's provi- provisions are always enough I'm sure Mary and Joseph thought, how are we going to do this? Again, trying to get into their minds a little bit. There was no room. Uh, They uh, were traveling this great distance, but God gave them just what they needed. God's provisions are always enough. God gives us faith to live in our present circumstances. Now, we're almost to our church-wide memory verse, and so let's work on this together uh, a couple of weeks will actually be here, but Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, let's, let's say this as a congregation. And the angel said to them, Is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's good news. He brought with him faith, real faith, genuine faith. The faith you need to live your life today. Authentic faith. What, what a savior we have in Jesus. God is worthy of your trust today. I, I, tr- I tried to impress on you last, year, last week that God has brought f- hope with him. This is a joyful expectation that the plan of God is being worked out and we can anticipate it. And, and this morning we're, we're backing it up a little bit to, to get a little bit more foundational to say God has God has brought faith with Him. And you can trust Him. As much difficulty as we faced in this last year, some of you, you know, even on a more personal basis... Remember, God created the world. He created you to enjoy His infinite goodness. Do you have faith in Him? It's going to require faith to live your life out here on earth. And it's not possible that you would ever please God without your faith. Just as Hebrews 11, 1 told us what faith is, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11 tells us without faith, It is impossible to please him. Why do I go through confusion? Why do I go through difficulty? Is it not that God wants me to experience a closer, more intimate relationship with him? Is it not that he wants to grow my faith, my my confidence in him, my assurance in him, Maybe your, your difficulty today in part is God saying, I want you to have more faith. I want you to trust me more. I want you to enjoy your walk with me more. And this difficulty, this trial that you're facing is intended to draw you to myself that you might know me more. I'm going to tell you, God's worthy of your trust. Doesn't matter what test you may face. Doesn't matter what difficulty you may go through. God is present with you and he wants to grow your faith in the midst of that. Maybe you don't have faith yet and God is knocking on the door of your heart even this morning and he's calling you to himself and he wants to give you this faith to to place in him. He wants to uh, help you to come into that relationship with him. And this morning would be a great morning to do that. Receive the gift the faith that he is offering to you to place your trust in him. And if you're already in his family, you already know Christ, then maybe the encouragement that God means for you today is to walk by faith. Stop trusting your feelings. Stop trusting your circumstances. And let his faith, let the faith that he gives you, steady your course, steady your walk, so that you might live for him and enjoy him the way he intends. Let's pray. Father, we know without you we're nothing. And the story of the coming of your son. It's a story of faith. We get it. We believe. We we know that faith was necessary for Mary and Joseph to take the steps that they took to obey, to be the people that you created them to be and to carry out the assignment that you gave them to carry out. And I pray that this morning that each of us here in this place, that we would evaluate our relationship with you. Lord, grow our faith. May our trust in you, Measure up to your glory and your greatness. We know you can do all things. We know you know all things. And this morning, we trust you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.